You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on, uh, you're hearing this on a Friday. This obviously is not being recorded on a Friday because it's Tennessee Mizzou Week. And if you know anything about Tennessee Mizzou Week over the years, you know that that's always a really interesting travel week, uh, especially because that that game often bleeds into basketball season. And so we've kind of got Ben one place, I'm one place, Pat and Ryan are all over the place. So we're we're having to – we've also got the the sick kids with bugs going around. It's been a week. i got to tell you, it's been a week. But you know what? We have the best jobs in the world, and it's awesome and no complaints. Anyways, when you're hearing this, I'll probably be in the air uh, en route to Missouri, where Tennessee is playing Missouri at Farrow Field there on Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. I believe it is the 13th-ranked Vols and the 14th-ranked Missouri Tigers. Uh, This is the first top 15, top 14 matchup uh, of two teams with those rankings at Tennessee. Columbia since 1979. You can put your Smashing Pumpkins joke in there. It is a welcome invitation to do so. But uh, it's a big, big game for both programs. It opened as about a pick 'em. I imagine Mizzou is not happy uh, with the way that things have gone the past couple years. If I had been beaten 128 to 28, I'd be a little bit pissed off too. So the, there's a lot at stake here. Um, Tennessee, the only other team in the SEC East that can technically win the SEC East other than Georgia, but that requires a lot of things that uh, are not what you would call likely, especially when placed together. You'd have to have Tennessee beating Missouri on the road against a very motivated Missouri team. You'd have to have Georgia losing at home, getting upset by Ole Miss, and then you would have to have Tennessee beating Georgia in that uh, humdinger next week at Neyland Stadium. So technically possible, um, and it would have been even more interesting if Mizzou had capped off that really, really great performance uh, down there in Athens with a win. Did not happen. Uh, Georgia got what it needed to, does what it usually does, made the plays when it needed to. But there's still a tremendous amount to play for for both of these teams, 10 win seasons. Tennessee technically could, if, if there's some there's some 3D stuff you got to go into, but if Tennessee were to win out and get a lot of breaks, who knows what could happen for Tennessee in the postseason. Or Tennessee could go to Mizzou, could lose that game, 
and then you're looking at, at best, um, whatever they call the citrus bowl these days. What's it? The ReliQuest bowl brought to you by Kellogg's Corn Flakes and Duke's Mayo and, you know, Farmer's Insurance and whatever else bowl it is. But regardless, there is a lot to talk about with this game. And to do that, we are going to have a special guest. Uh, instead of two, instead of one segment, we're going to have two segments with this week's guest. And, you know, uh, we oftentimes go to our 24-7 sports uh, uh what do you want to call them here? I guess we'll say our comrades in arms across the 24-7 Sports Network. We do not have a Mizzou site, so I get to uh, dust off the old Capital J journalism card and uh, go to some of my old newspaper people and uh, f- uh, kind of fan things out for Mizzou Week, which is always great. And we got a really great guest for you this week. We've got Eli Hoff from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, does a really nice job. Uh, kind of like me, reminds me of myself a little bit, getting uh, getting a job as a young guy in a, in a in a big market covering a big team, and you just dive, dive right into the board, man. It's awesome. It's it's great. Eli, man, I really, really like your work that I've seen this year, and I'm happy to have you on here. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, doing well, Wes. Uh, thanks for having me on, and thanks for the kind words. That's, that's billing that I, I feel like I have to live up to now, so I, I appreciate it. The flattery and the ego burst to start this off. Yeah, you. Uh, it's uh, it's all downhill from here. Basically, it's just a big setup, and I'm going to spend the next however many minutes just, you know, trapping you. I'm going to have some gotcha moments and going to have all sorts of fun here. We're going to bring on, find some of your exes and bring them on and and have them talk about your personal life. We're just we're we're going to dive deep now. We're going to go into credit history. We're going to get all of it. So uh, that's why we go flattery at the very beginning because you know we we like to rope a dope you there. But Eli, got got to first off just ask you, man, this Mizzou football team, uh, I did not expect Mizzou to be as good as it has been. I looked at that roster uh, going into the year, and again, I'm not a Mizzou expert. I don't cover Mizzou on a daily basis, just kind of cover this league and have for you know a couple decades now. But I, I thought there were some good pieces there, but I looked at that schedule and I looked at the rest of the league and I thought, you know, this is going to be kind of a mid-pack team. It has not been that. Mizzou is damn near undefeated. I mean, you're talking about a 7-2 and two team that really had a chance to beat LSU, really, really let that one slip away late, um, and then also uh, had Georgia, I don't want to say on the ropes, but had Georgia uncomfortable in the second half, down into the fourth quarter in Athens, which is not an easy thing to do, and let those slip away. So this is a team that had a couple of really weird non-conference games that, that should have been more comfortable and weren't. And then that game against Kansas State that was just comical down the stretch, sort of the it was like both teams playing September football saying, who wants to give this thing away more? But Mizzou made the plays, uh, got the kick, won the game with that great kicker. And and this team is now in the mix for I mean, this team wins out. It's a New Year's six team, possibly. And, and that's for this program that had not had a winning season under Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, it's a. Did you expect this? Because I didn't, but maybe you did. No, I, I, I didn't, and I don't think really anybody in Columbia can sit here and tell you that they expected it to be going this well. Uh, I, I think for a lot of people, the magic number on wins. I think Vegas might have even been a little bit lower on Mizzou than a lot of people here, but I think a lot of people here would have told you six or seven wins, eight if things go right, nine's kind of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, now for Mizzou, the rest of the way, you know, nine wins is is kind of the floor almost at this point which is just really weird to say um, because this is a team that hadn't won seven games in a season under Eli Drinkwitz until they went seven and one to start this year it's just uh, th- that's just been crazy there was some talent on paper that you could tell with this team 
But really, even that hasn't the play, played out the way I think a lot of us thought it did. Uh, we tended to think that this was going to be a kind of defensive first team, that the defense was going to go out and win some games. The offense would maybe, you know, stick around, do enough. And, and really, it's been the opposite. This offense has emerged as one of the best in the SEC. Brady Cook's playing well. Luther Burden is one of the best wide receivers in the country. You know, we can dig into all this, but just the offense has been so good. And it's been the defense that's been playing catch up this year. So, um, so much of this year has just been you know, maybe, maybe not entirely contrary, but at least quite a bit different from, uh, from what a lot of people expected. Yeah. And I think that's, that's very fair to say, because the Mizzou defense, if you're, if you're one of those people who's a Tennessee fan and you really only see Mizzou, like if Tennessee's playing Mizzou or you happen to catch bits of other games during the bye week, or maybe they're playing the nooner when Tennessee plays at seven. So maybe you don't see Mizzou a ton and you just mostly saw the Tennessee game last year. You would be like this team, this defense is the worst defense I've ever seen in my life because, I mean, as hypo offenses tend to do, got somebody wrong-footed, stayed on the gas, and and really kind of put it on them. Um, not not so much early on the the year before that. It was from from the get-go uh, in Columbia last year. It kind of took a little bit uh, of of building up steam, and then in the second half, it really kind of put a, put the put the pedal down. But that Mizzou defense is is not bad. It's it's not a bad defense. Um, but this season, it's been the offense. And you know, I think everybody knew that how potentially special Luther Burden could be. But um, you know, Cook has been a guy who's taken his game up a level this season. And, and I think, I mean, Schrader has just been absolutely fantastic. I don't former walk on transfer from Truman State. He had seven hundred yards last season. So I'm not saying that nobody knew who he was, but. My God, what a player he's been! Yeah, he's he's been incredible, and and just I mean, a, a heck of a story. Kid who is you know a good high school player out of St. Louis, but but not considered to be too much coming out of high school. There uh, went to Division Two Truman State, had had a great run there. Comes to Mizzou as a walk on. You know, last year the last year Mizzou's just running back room was was frankly not not good enough throughout the season. Came in this year. Uh, it was supposed to be a committee between Schrader and and Nathaniel Pete. That the two of them would be splitting carries, uh, and now it's it's at this point in the season it's just Schrader, uh, and he's he's been phenomenal both in terms of just racking up the yardage, but his endurance. He's a guy who he's not afraid of contact. He seeks out a lot of contact at times and will look to break those tackles, and yet he's still getting just about every carry. Nathaniel Pete barely has a, a role at this point in the team, uh, so Schrader's just been it's such a fun journey to see for him, and that he's going to be able to close out his college career like this, and that frankly the way he's playing, you know, maybe there's a look he gets at the next level. It's it's that's not my job to to do that kind of evaluation, that kind of analysis, but he's been a, a real blast to watch this year, uh, and and certainly something I think that opposing defenses now have to game plan pretty heavily for at this point yeah i think you know tennessee's jalen wright leads the sec in yards per carry by like a fairly wide margin but when you look at the splits on schrader and and his yards per carry in the second half of a game when defenses are a little bit jelly-legged and he just does not seem to wear down i mean his second half yards per carry numbers are fantastic and he runs through people falls forward for yardage and when you can run the ball like that you don't have to have Brady Cook be a Heisman caliber quarterback. You know, you've got really good uh, receivers out there on the perimeter. You got a lot of depth at that position at Mizzou. Those guys are, are are very deep. Obviously, Burden's a star, but they've got three or four guys who can really kind of hurt you in the pass game. And when you put a, a a run game like that on top of it, it really really opens up the offense. And if if everybody, what's it? More hands make less work. Like when you can run the ball like that, it just seems like that has opened up the field for them a lot. 
It, it has, and he's been just a driving force with this offense. Um, I, I just pulled up the stat. He's picked up 51 first downs this season for the Tigers, which leads the SEC as far as SEC running backs go. So he's a guy who this team leans on to pick up those first downs. Uh, he he breaks the tackles. There was one play against Georgia where uh, it was a third down. Schrader should have been wrapped up behind the line of scrimmage, uh, probably four or five yards loss on the play. And he he breaks the tackle and goes out and gets the first down that he's a guy who can just kind of bail out this offense at times too, when things stall uh, and, and, Kirby Moore and Eli Drinkwitz, you know, they're always going to like to establish the run. That's just part of what this team's MO has been, and, and that's carried over to this year. And Schrader's part of that, too. So he's always going to be kind of a foundational piece for that. Um, and he's also just, you know, he's he's a team captain. Uh, he's a great guy, too. He was the only player to talk with the media after that loss against Georgia. Um, everybody else had to go straight to the bus, but Schrader took the time to talk. Um, so he's a he's a guy who kind of takes that responsibility on for this team, too. You know, what's funny is that it seems like at the college level where, you know, there there's very few programs have open locker rooms. There, there's not like a scenario where people are forced to come out and talk. It, it, it usually I'm trying to think over the years of when Tennessee's had one of those games where it's just a kind of a crushing road defeat. Guys just want to get on the bus. Like it seems like 80% of the time it's probably an offensive lineman who comes out and talks in that situation. Normally uh, those guys can be, you know, kind of level headed cerebral types and kind of calm after the, after the fact. And they'll usually have a center guard come out and talk to you a little bit. Maybe it maybe a linebacker or something like that. But for the running back to be the guy that comes out and does that, I think that that says a lot. I mean, guys, guys who step up when it's not fun or when it's not convenient are, uh, and that's not to say that the guys who won't talk, are 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 not you know i'm not questioning i'm not uh uh, doubting any of their characters whatsoever because sometimes it's probably better for them not to talk because if they do they're going to say something that they shouldn't say they're kids and they're going to be kids but uh I, i think it's for guys who have that maturity to step up and do that i think that that says a lot but i think that also leads to a natural question eli about kind of where this team is right now because you know, if you're a team that kind of all along it looks like you're going to be like an eight and four, or nine and three team, you lose a game, you're not happy, but it's not like a shock, right? It's not something that shocks your senses. When you're a team that whether you expected to or not, or whether anybody else expected you to or not, when you throw yourself into the race and it gets into business time and you go and you play that well for most of the game at a place like Sanford Stadium and then walk away with a loss, that I think physically is one question. And I think that's a separate question that I will ask. But physically and psychologically, where is this team right now? Because this is still this week, maybe the biggest home game at Mizzou in a while, but there's probably still some hangover from last week on to some extent. I don't know the character of that team. So that's why I'm asking you, what's the, what, 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 what kind of vibe are you picking up on right now? Yeah, it's, it's a valid question. It's, it's the right question to be asking because it's the question that all of us are asking too. And that we were asking when we were around the team facility on Tuesday, um, just because it, it was a team that you could, tell was gutted just watching them walk off the field in Athens on Saturday um, and talking to Eli Drinkwitz after the game on Saturday too. I mean, he was sitting there with us in the press room. He's got, you know, the right sleeve of his shirt is ripped open. It looked like he'd been in like a physical yeah. altercation almost. Um, and, and so, um, and, and so it's, it's, it's tough to rebound from a loss like that because that Georgia game was billed as the biggest team for this program in a decade since they won in, in Athens in 2013. That yeah. was the biggest game in a decade. But even last week, you were kind of looking at this schedule and looking ahead and saying, okay, but Tennessee at home next weekend, 
that's just as big uh, because regardless of what happened in Athens, this game matters because now it seems like, and, and we can talk about the implications of this game, but you know, in a sentence, it seems like it's maybe a battle of which SEC East team is going to have a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it matters there too. It's, you know, first game between, like you said earlier, like between teams of these rankings since 1979, it's a, it's a big game. It's a big game. Um, and so I think the rebound obviously has to be there and there's some precedent for what this team looks like in terms of being able to rebound off a loss when they lost to LSU at home, it was a, a similar heartbreaker, you know, it came down a Brady cook interception late in the game to kind of throw it away. It was a shootout game at home. There'd been a lot of momentum, you know, it, it was very similar kind of in terms of the buildup to this Georgia game that again, that was considered one of the biggest games that this team had played in a long time. They go out and lose that. And there's the same questions of, you know, all right, the bubble has burst. What's next. Uh, and, and Mizzou then goes on the road, in Lexington, it was homecoming for Kentucky. You know, it's, it's always a tough place yep. to play. And uh, they, they went down 14-0 in the first quarter of that game, then stormed back and I think allowed only seven points the final three quarters of the game and, and won that game pretty handily. And so if that's how Mizzou can respond, then again, that's that's a pretty strong precedent for what they could do against Tennessee. Now, it's a, it's a little bit different because I think that Georgia one stings a little bit more just because yeah. it's, you know, I guess number two team in the CFP top ranked team AP poll back to back national champs. You know, you think if you can knock them off, all of a sudden, you know, there's a little bit more maybe of a, a kind of roller coaster that comes with that. Uh, so it, it remains to be seen. The players we talked to on Tuesday seem pretty upbeat, pretty motivated. Drinkwitz is is pretty clear that regardless of a win or a loss, he gives the team 24 hours after the game to have their emotional reaction. And then after that, it's back to work. They have to set it aside. Um, this this week will, I think, be the, the biggest test of how that mentality actually plays out. I got to think that this game coming against a team that's outscored you 128 to 28 the past two years probably helps that. Um, but again, I mean, I, I'm not, you're, you're closer to their age than I am. I, I you know, I, I'm at a point now where I think in the past couple of years, I've just gotten old enough to where I, uh, no longer understand how like people that age think, because I think I've got, there's enough separation now where, cause I'm, you know, 40. And so I, I look at it and I go, yeah, there's ways they think about things now and things they talk about that I just, I'm like, I, I call my younger brother and be like, hey, what's this mean? You know, what, what what's going on here? What's this? What's this expression? What's this? You know, I, I'm that guy now. I'm a dad. So it, it, it's it's just, it's interesting though, because that loss, it, say what you will about that loss against LSU and it, it was a stinger. You knew you had Kentucky, Georgia, Tennessee still on the schedule. So you knew you still controlled your own destiny. Now you go from controlling your own destiny to not having a chance at the at the title, and that happens in 24 hours, and that changes things. It's kind of like that Mizzou-Kentucky game, that one fake punt changed that game as much as I've seen a, a game change with a play in a while, but now like a season changes that much in a while. And so at that point, you've got guys thinking, okay, is it – you can rally to 10 wins. You can rally to a New Year's Six. You can send seniors out the right way. You can build for the future. But like in the moment, it can feel hard to do that. So I'm 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 just curious because it's kind of like last season after what Tennessee, that sort of thing, that late season loss at South Carolina where 
you know, it's all sorts, all sorts of the conspiracies with uh, the sign gate and everything are out there now. But regardless, Tennessee got its ass kicked, and that's just what happened in that game. And Hendon Hooker, you know, the best, you know, one of the best players in the country, goes out with a torn ACL, ending his college career. And so you just wonder, wow, what's this team going to get for the next couple of games? Tennessee had a nice response to that. So maybe we'll see a mature response from Mizzou. I mean, there are some old guys on this team, I think that's probably got to help, right? I mean, you, you've got a veteran quarterback, you got a veteran running back, you got some receivers who are at various ages, but kind of emotionally mature, psychologically mature guys. You got a defense that's got a bunch of upperclassmen dudes on it. So I, I would imagine that the response would be okay, but there's no way to know, right? There's just, I don't know if there's any precedent here. No, no. And, and that's true. There's no precedent for that. And because one of the other things, even for these more experienced guys, especially guys who've been around this program for a while, they haven't if they've been around this program for really any amount of time, they haven't been in a spot where they've been contending for winning the SEC East for a spot to play in the championship game in Atlanta. Th- that that hasn't even really been a possibility beyond at the year at the beginning of the year when it's like theoretically every anybody could make it there that just hasn't been there for this team um i think back to just after the kentucky game they they clinched bowl eligibility in that game and uh darius robinson who's a defensive end he's been on the team since 2019 i think he enrolled in 2019 mm-hmm. so he's he's been around for a while he, he enrolled before Drinkwitz. Uh, he was a, a barry odom recruit and he was just ecstatic after that game because he was like so many of our seasons have come down to the last game to clinch bowl eligibility Yep. that, you know, it's, can we get to six wins? We're playing Arkansas on black Friday. Can we get to bowl eligibility? And then the team went out and, and got that in the month of October. So it's just this, this season is a totally different vibe for all of these guys. And so it, you're right that there's not a ton of precedent in seeing how they'll process that because it is a reshaping of your season that you go from, yeah, we're looking at winning hardware in the postseason to maybe we can make it to a nice bowl game, right? Now, going into this season, ask any Mizzou fan. I think they would have been very, very happy with, yeah, let's see if we can get a trip to whatever they're calling the Citrus Bowl now. Yeah. Uh, but that's the expectation shifts as the year goes on. Um, so it, it, it's, it could be a difficult adjustment for them you know, to put on my, my young person psychology hat, I, I imagine that's yeah. kind of a, it's, it's a difficult thing to grapple with because, you know, I, I feel like everyone our age, this is getting really deep here, but everyone our age, you know, feels like things are very dramatic because like it's the first time it's happening to you because you've only been alive. Oh, absolutely. Time to experience it once. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone in your life, imagine your first breakup, imagine your first, you know, time moving away from home, your first like anything, man. Like it feels like the world's collapsing. The first time you get like you fail a test or something, like everything feels dramatic. It does. It does. And so, you know, I, I imagine maybe there's there's some component to that and that maybe that Georgia loss feels more catastrophic than it really does. But there's also a sense where you know, again, this was that was the biggest game for this team in a decade, right? In 2013, most of the guys on this roster were in like late elementary school, maybe early middle school. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's not like some of that kind of institutional legacy memory that's in there for a lot of fans and even a lot of coaches or people in the athletic department. That just isn't there for these players because they're not old enough to have that kind of appreciation for what the program's history yeah. is and was. Uh, so so maybe that changes a little bit too you know it's just it's it's hard to really know what's what's going through their minds right now um i I think it'll be it'll be pretty evident give it a couple series on saturday and i think it'll be pretty evident where this team is at mentally and emotionally um because you know they can they can put on a a 
happy, motivated face during the week, but it becomes a lot harder to hide that during the game. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say before break here is that I, uh, the flip side of that is I, I've talked to guys before who have been like, man, at the end of the day, it's a game. Like we do, we get to go play a game. Like it's fun. We're going to go play with our brothers and we're going to go play a game and try to beat the other team. And, and, and so a lot of times it's not nearly as deep for them as it is for us, because again, different mentality, right? They're not thinking about decades of history. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about, well, I got my buddies here and we're going to go play these other guys wearing different shirts and we're going to try to beat the hell out of them. I mean, that that's, it can be that simple. You know, it's a fun thing to go do. It physically hurts, but it's a fun thing to go do. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, but there's lots more about the matchups of this game. The, the, the difference in these two head coaches, uh, there's a bunch of fun things that we haven't talked about yet. We've left some meat on the bones here, and we're going to get to that before we get to that, though, where it's slightly overdue for a break. So we're going to step away for a second, pay some bills, uh, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to the GoVoss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Our good friend, new friend, but good friend Eli Hoff from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, a fantastic, fantastic newspaper uh, that happens to cover the the most evil organization in all of sports, which is the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, speaking from a Cubs, lifelong miserable Cubs fan here. But uh, n- nonetheless, a great newspaper, uh, which which has our our good friend uh, Ben Ben Fred, uh, good 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 friend uh, of mine personally for for a while, and a lot of good people over there. They do great work. Go check them out. We are here talking Tennessee Missouri football. We're going to get right back to that. It's a big game this week, and we got a lot more to discuss about it. Before we get to that, though, just a quick request from our end: if you could take about a minute out of your day right now, please go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That would help us out tremendously. Uh, if you're just listening for free there on GoVols247.com, uh, that's fine. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. Helps us out quite a bit more, though, if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, 
anywhere in the world, you can cast a fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. No complaints. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people that you see out around town. Tell people you see stopped at a red light. Uh, people don't usually communicate to each other in words these days. It's usually all texts. Uh, but if you're stopped at a red light, just kind of be like, hey, man, I see you got a Power T on your car there. Do you listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? I, we've heard people from from their mailman. We've had people hear about this podcast. We've had people from in, the, in, in, mall, in shopping malls in Nebraska, which apparently exist, and they have been told about the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. I love hearing the random, random ways that people hear about this podcast, and that's why it's grown the way it has. So if you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Straight back into business here with our good friend Eli Hoff from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch talking Tennessee-Missouri football. Uh, Tennessee-Mizzou game in Columbia, where uh, I have been... I would say probably 80% of my coldest experiences in journalism in terms of just physically being outside and it hurt were in Lexington, Kentucky, which is just two hours north of Knoxville, but basically built on an iceberg in the middle of Antarctica. Just the coldest place you could ever imagine. Like a lot of people think of hell as a hot spot. I think of hell as a cold spot and it is cold up there. However, I would say the other 15%, uh, 15% of that 20% that's left probably have come in uh, Columbia, Missouri, where Tennessee usually plays the Tigers late in the year, and it tends to be miserable. And then going for basketball season, oh, God, it's even, it is the wind in that part of the country. It is cold, cold, cold. However, it doesn't look like it'll be too bad this this week. So that is nice. Tennessee got to play a relatively warm weather game against Kentucky and Missouri in the same season. I mean, if, I don't know how you feel about climate change, but that seems pretty real to me. Uh, Tennessee usually plays Kentucky and Missouri, and it's like 10 degrees outside. So that will be nice. However, this game, in terms of what it's been for Tennessee, Eli, there's been a lot of variance. Like Tennessee's gone there and had miserable nights. It's gone there and had really good nights. Like I remember talking to some very happy and very upset Tennessee players in that same area that time of year. But the past four years have gone for Tennessee. And when things like that happen, you know, opponents can feel a certain type of way. When a team has beaten you, imagine the way Kentucky feels about Tennessee or the way Tennessee feels about Florida. Or for years, the way that Navy felt about Notre Dame. Just when you lose that many games, it can be really frustrating. I imagine this is one that that probably, especially after the past two seasons, means quite a bit to Mizzou. There's a lot of upperclassmen on that team. And even in this portal era, Eli, that's a lot of that's a lot of guys who have been outscored by 100 points by a team the past two years. If there there's any kind of competitive fire in those guys, I imagine they'll be pretty angry when they see that orange on Saturday. Yeah, I would think so because if if I'm Eli Drinkwitz, I'm putting together a montage of scoring plays from just the last two years, and that's going to be about a solid five minutes of highlights right there that you can show guys to to get them fired up. So I think. That'll be there for sure because there's a lot of guys who've been around for the the you know 128 is that what it is the number of points yeah, one season? yeah 128 to 28 which I remember because it's such an an even set of figures to go after 128 to 28 that's how I remembered it yeah and and so I mean that's that's to uh to to steal a phrase from a certain uh, basketball reporter talking about some college basketball games that's the epitome of brutality right there 100 well I think it's, I think it's one, I think it's actually 128 to 48 my math is is off on that by a good 20 so that's still 80 points that's still 
Uh, still, still a lot of points. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm, I'm checking your math now, and it looks like it is 80 points. Yeah. Um, still, that's that's more than you usually see as the uh, the combined tier differential. Um, so I, I think it'll be a fired up group because again, this this year's Missouri team just is so different from the teams yeah. of especially the last two years. Um, and so so maybe that's part of the motivating factor that it's some of these guys thinking, you know, hey, we're not the same group that's gotten blown out that's had 60 put on us the last two years. We can go out and, and do something different, make some noise, um, you know, actually hold them to a, a reasonable number on defense and, and score a better number on offense. Um, so I, I think that's certainly a motivating factor. Again, we'll, we'll see what that looks like because Mizzou's been a team that's gotten into some higher scoring games, you know, nothing, nothing super crazy, but they've, there's, there's been points put on the board by both teams in most games this year. Um, so we'll, we'll see what that actually looks like. Yeah. In, in terms of, of the, the physical health of this Missouri team, I know that, you know, there's different ways of handling injury reports. Josh Heupel uh, is a guy who will always be pretty honest with you, unless you ask about injuries. And, and that's the one thing where it's just kind of known that he's going to obfuscate. He's going to say, oh, we'll know on Friday when he knows damn well someone's playing or not playing. And and there's no there there's no even gentleman's agreement on how to handle this. There's certainly no formal code on how college coaches handle this. So different people are different. And I remember watching – Drinkwitz's press conference this week, uh, the one on Tuesday, I believe it was, and hearing him say, this guy, you know, Brady Cook, probable, Rake Straw, probable, uh, and going into like what I used, like the old ones that Philip Fulmer used to give. Like it was like an old school kind of looking injury report. And then he said, Luther Burden is someone he is very concerned about for this week. And so what I'm asking you here is, with Drinkwitz's history, what should we make of that? Because I don't know Drinkwitz well enough to know if that's him, uh, you know, if he's just having a little gamesmanship or if he tends to be honest about these things, because if Mizzou's got a lot of good players, it's only got one of him just and that would be a huge difference in this game. Yeah, I think there's well, there's there's two different components to that. There's the Luther Burden component and the Drinkwitz component. Uh, Drinkwitz, you know, he he tends to be sort of forthcoming with injury info if you ask him. Like if you watch that Tuesday news conference, you know, somebody asked about the health component and then he goes into it. Um, and you know, and the the, the big news that he mentioned there is that Mizzou's starting middle linebacker Chad Bailey's yeah. out for the rest of the season. Yeah. He has been playing much this year anyway. Um, so in terms of you know impacts on the team uh very small obviously it's it's concerning for for chad himself uh but in, in general drinklets will kind of rattle off a lot of names early in the week um that are just sort of they're the players who you when you go to practice afterwards you tend to see them in the green non-contact jerseys um and it's it's one of those things that it's just it's hard to evaluate because we as reporters we only, we go to practice one day a week and we see about 30 minutes of individual drill work there's no nobody's hitting anybody nobody's really running any plays and so, you know, on, on Tuesday, we saw Luther Burden was out there. He had both his ankles taped. He looked pretty fine outside of that. And but, you know, again, we didn't see him going all out on any routes. We didn't see him taking hits. So it's just it's it's hard to evaluate. And then and then Drinkus will, will release the injury report at a, you know, at some time on Thursday evening. That's the official in-game designations. Uh, but there have been times where where guys haven't been listed on there. Um, that then just don't play on a given Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, you know, it's hard to evaluate because like you said, there's just such a, a gamesmanship component with yeah. all of this, unfortunately. Uh, so as as a journalist who likes transparency, it's uh, <laughs> it's tough, but that's just that's just the way it goes. Yeah, uh, Heupel hides everything once the season starts here, which has been very different um, for, for the Tennessee beat has, has always had pretty solid access for the caliber of program it is. 
but since Heupel took over, once the season starts, you see nothing. You don't even see individual drills until bowl practices start again. And, and, and so that's an entire season where, I mean, we've been around here a while. We know people. We can get information. It's not impossible, but that's the way he chooses to go about it. And in this Connor Stallions era in which we're living, he just, you know, they, they're very paranoid about their signals. They're very paranoid about their communication, about what you see, about what they say about injuries. They're, they're just, you know, that's just how he is. And that's, there's no, there's no rule telling him he has to do it differently. So he's not doing anything wrong. But as again, as a journalist, you're like, oh, it would be nice to know that, um, you know, Vegas knows uh, we, we should know too, but you know, it, it's, um, regardless, I just find that interesting because he's a guy who his ability to play or not play in this game would be a big deal. Or if he's hampered, uh, cause Tennessee certainly has some physical guys who will hit you, you know, we'll see what kind of impact that has. But in terms of just the way these teams match up, you know, Eli, this is a very different Tennessee offense from the one we've seen the past couple of years. It's still prolific. It's still, um, but it's gone from, you know, maybe the best passing attack in all of college football to this year, one of the best rushing attacks in college football, which is a kind of a crazy shift to happen in one year. That's a complete, I mean, that's polar opposites in terms of some things, but Heupel tends to be a pretty good offensive coach. He did, tailors things to what he has available to him, and Tennessee's got a bunch of good running backs. And, and in most games this season, I think Mizzou's run defense has been pretty good. I don't know if it's been on quite the same level as like um, Georgia's or Tennessee's or something like that, but it's other than a couple games, it's been a pretty stout run defense, hasn't it? It has been. It's been well. It's been rocky at times, and it's been hard because Mizzou just played a, a weird schedule to evaluate running game wise. Uh, the worst game of the year for the run defense was the LSU game, but that was mostly Jaden Daniels yeah. being Jaden Daniels and, and doing what he does, leaking out of the pocket. And, and that's you know that's something that scheming for a mobile quarterback is a lot more different than scheming for Tennessee's multiple running backs, who are all very good at at doing the whole running thing. Uh, so it, that's a different challenge there. You look back to, uh, I think, Kentucky and, and Ray Davis is a good test there just because he's obviously a, a very good running back, and mm-hmm. that's a team that likes to use him. You saw what they uh, what they did to poor Florida. Um, and, and that was the game that Mizzou started off initially struggling with that run defense. Again, they go down 14-0 real quick there. Uh, but they, they flipped a switch. It just seemed like, again, the fake punts flipped the momentum. But defensively, they flipped a switch and just all of a sudden started actually playing correctly within their scheme. They're a single gap defense, which basically means the 4D linemen are going to fill gaps in the O-line. The linebackers have to come down to help fill gaps. Yep. And then usually there's, uh, they call them a star, nickelback, you know, different teams have different names for that position. Yeah, Tennessee but, calls it the star uh, too, yeah. Okay, yeah. The, the star has to come in there and, and fill a gap too. Um, but what that means is just, you know, theoretically everybody fills a gap and theoretically the running back is going to run into one of those gaps and run into a tackle it just requires people to a actually fill their gap b actually make the tackle um and and that's what's been the challenge for mizzou as simple as it sounds is just doing those two things so i I think that's one of the just i don't know highlighted matchups i guess if you want to call it that for saturday is whether Mizzou's defense can kind of buckle down and do that because some of the gap integrity getting in the right spot, that's been one of the bigger defensive question marks as the season's gone by. Yeah, and, and of course, that that that's the second step against Tennessee. The first one is getting lined up usually um, because I know Tennessee's gone from first to third, I think, in, 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 in pace of play this season, but that's because the Vols have, have 
intentionally shut it down sometimes late in games and gone slower. Uh, they when they still go, I mean, the way that they roll guys in and out, those speedball packages are. I mean, they they do stuff that most people don't do, and so I'm wondering how Mizzou has been able to sort of get ready for that because you don't see. I mean, a lot of teams go no huddle. But not all no huddles are tempo. Tempo is a different thing. And has there been anything Mizzou seen this season? Or, or would it have to have recall back to last season when it played Tennessee for the last time it saw something quite like this? I think it would have to go back to last season for something just, you know, at the same level Tennessee does. Um, I, I feel like everybody's starting to mix in more and more tempo now and kind of trying to leverage the substitutions. Um, but I will say, like, Mizzou is one of the teams that fully subscribes to the idea of rotating defensive linemen they they rotate all four spots almost as much as they can that you know yeah. there's eight guys who will play on the defensive line maybe nine d-line zoo man d-line zoo yeah well yeah and and there's a it's eight deep at the d-line zoo and so that that's just what they're going to look to do and so if tennessee's looking to play with that you know mizzou's d tackles especially don't have experience playing a ton of snaps and stacking them back to back to back to back and plugging up the holes effectively that's that's something that they're just not a proven quantity and some of the linebacker depth is is running a little thin with with bailey out um tyron hopper who's the weak side starting linebacker he's been wearing a non-contact jersey at practice he's he's fighting through something um so there's there's maybe some some question marks there um but again it's just it seems like every team handles its rushing attack a little bit differently and tennessee's just going to be the by far the biggest and best I think rushing attack that Mizzou's faced this year what about the other side of the ball because you, you look at that that offense and and the way that they like to establish the run in Tennessee I've said all season long and this was before Tennessee lost its best starting cornerback you know Kamal Haddon who was the PFF leader in terms of coverage and all of power power five this season even before he left the lineup with an injury season ender I said if you're running the ball at Tennessee you're doing Tennessee a favor now if you want to spread it out and have the quarterback run around that's different but if you just run the ball, student body left and right at Tennessee, they will they will thump that usually all day long. And so it's it's like sometimes you wonder why teams even feel the need to like do that if they're just if they're just showing it to show it or to make so so make sure that Pierce and Barron and those guys can't pin their ears back and come after you. But the the way that you know Tennessee is very aggressive, uh, it, it fills the box despite having it, it, Tennessee's starting middle linebacker has played two quarters this season and he hadn't been back since the opener, and so still they've just plugged in some younger guys and on they've gone. And I'm wondering that matchup in particular, that's where burden becomes a huge issue to me because I think there's a chance like Tennessee completely took Ray Davis out of the football game, just completely said. He's not going to get anything. Like no, they drew a line in the sand and said, if Devin Leary wants to beat us with his arm, he can beat us with his arm. He damn near did. He had a really good game. Um, but they just said, we're not letting you do this. And so if they do that again, if they say, you know what, Schrader, you're not beating us. I, if we lose this game, it's not going to be because you beat us. We're going to fill the box. We're going to try to go one-on-one on the perimeter and try to win those battles. That's where burden becomes a huge deal to me because I like Mizzou's, Mizzou's other receivers, but there's only one of those. There's only one burden. I mean, a couple of those guys are going to play in the league, but he's different. He, he's a different dude. And so I'm wondering how what you think of that matchup on that side of the ball because Tennessee, especially without Haddon, has some holes in the secondary. We, we know this. Everyone knows this. But the run defense is really good. So I wonder how Mizzou will attack that. Yeah, that's that's going to be really interesting to watch because these last few games from Mizzou have been kind of a, a push and pull with the defense personnel-wise over what I call, 
I, I call him the seventh defender, even though that's not really what it is. But you assume most teams are going to have at least six guys in the box, four down linemen, two linebackers, yeah. and at least four guys in the secondary, two safeties, two corners. It's what you do with that extra guy who I call the seventh guy if you bring him into the box. Yeah. When Mizzou gets a seven-man box, and it's it's a true seven-man box, not a bunch of guys leaking out into coverage, uh, that's when Mizzou likes to throw the ball because you get more one-on-one matchups on the back end. You get a little bit softer zones. You can more easily, they run a lot of flood concepts where they like to put three guys in a zone where there's only going to be two defenders. They like to create those looks a lot. And obviously that is going to just about always create an open player. And Brady Cook's really good at finding those guys. He can go through those high-low reads and work from the top down mm-hmm. really, really effectively. Yeah. And so that's what this Mizzou team is going to look to do. Part of why Georgia was difficult for them to pass against was that Georgia is happy with leaving five or six guys in the box and letting them handle the run because yeah, because Georgia they can does that yeah exactly and so that's that's was a challenging matchup for Mizzou's pass game if, if Tennessee is going to put a lot of guys in the box Mizzou will happily say go ahead and take away Cody Schrader they're going to try to pass all over you on the back end mm-hmm. but Luther Bird and they've got a freshman Marquise Johnson who's um, he's got to be one of the fastest wide receivers uh, in college football right he, now. He, he's, uh, he's squirrel white fast. He's absolutely that fast. He is very, very, very fast. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll, they'll put him on a clear out route, but sometimes he's, <laughs> if he's not taking a defender with him, he's getting open and, and Brady Cook has hit him over the top before. So they'll, they'll more than happily take those looks and give up the run game for that. That said, I think Mizzou will still try to establish the run game, if nothing else, just to keep Tennessee honest and, and try to keep that extra defender tucked down. But it's going to be interting just because the volunteers are, are, are a different, a totally different defense from Georgia a week ago in terms of what they try to do to stop the run and just the personnel aspect. Yeah, Tennessee gets much more aggressive. Georgia doesn't have to get aggressive in some ways because it just has the dudes. Tennessee's got dudes. It doesn't have Georgia's dudes, but it's it, it, it's still it's a very aggressive. Like Tennessee basically says you're not going to sustain success against this defense. You're going to hit some big plays, and that's okay because Tennessee, not as much this year, but generally speaking – you know, if it's like a if it becomes a pinball game, Hypel's like, oh, now you're right. You're this is my kind of game, man. Let's go. And and so, but they they tend to say if you're going to hit big plays, you're going to hit them, but you're not going to go 12, 13, 14 plays down the field. And and so that it's it's a really different style of of defense. And and so I think that's that's really interesting. And I think the red zone component is a huge game in this one too because uh, Tennessee's offense has been booty cheeks in in the in the red zone of late a lot of times it just is not it's not it's got a really good kicker like like mizzou does but you don't want to use him that often you know and and so they've had to do that more than they'd like that's interesting to me i guess the last couple things before we let you out of here you've been really gracious with your time really really appreciate it when you look at the um at the sort of the 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 personality or or the um what's word i'm looking for here sort of the uh I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here. The, the relationships be- between these programs and these two coaching staffs. I have been surprised at times by what I feel like is animosity uh, the past couple years. I think there were, there was a time where, you know, during talking season, as Steve Spurrier used to call it, the offseason, you know, Drinkwitz is a guy who is occasionally goes out there and says some stuff. And I don't know if he thinks anything of it at the time. I think he just says some stuff. But, you know, I, I think there are people in the Tennessee program who – took exception to some of that. And I feel like there was also, uh, they felt like there was some negative recruiting stuff behind the scenes that they were getting from a zoo staff that they did not appreciate. And I think 
the reason that Tennessee has scored 60 plus points in these past two games and somewhat is because there have been times where late in the game, he's not taking his foot off the pedal. Like he is saying he wants, he's sticking it up main street when he's playing drink wits. And I think that's not usually what Heupel does. Normally he will back it down later in games and you know, they'll run the offense, but they'll run it with third teamers or whatever. And so I'm wondering is there any kind of sense or however long you've been there, have you detected any animosity there? Because I detect it from over here and Hypel will never say a word of it publicly. It's just because it's not how he is, but it's there and it's real. And it always surprises me a little bit. Yeah, I think there's definitely an edge. Again, it's, it's one of those things that goes unsaid. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz starts off every weekly press conference by saying how much respect he has for the other team's head coach and both their coordinators and kind of goes through the coaching tree and, and down the depth chart. But you, you look at just what these last two years have been. The difference between scoring 20 points and 40 points in a game is skill and execution. The difference between scoring 40 points and 60 points in a game, that's that's a deliberate choice to yeah. keep going at that point. It really is. Um, and so I, I think that gives this series an edge just because Tennessee's gone out and done that two ha- two times now, two years in a row. And and as a coach, I feel like you just, you, you have to take that personally uh, because yeah. at, at that point, that means something, I don't want to say something's fundamentally wrong, but that's more than just like, Oh, it came down to these three plays that they got. And we didn't like, there's, there's more to it than that. Um, so I think there's, there's definitely a little bit of that. And just in terms of, what the last couple of years have been uh, and, and because before that, before these last four seasons, really that, that Tennessee's come away with the win. This has been a, a competitive yes. series that has, yes. I think generally been in Mizzou's favor. Yeah. So, yeah. Mizzou entered the league at a time where Tennessee was for its program's history at about one of the lowest points you could imagine. And, and Mizzou entered the East. I remember people were talking about how long is it going to take Mizzou to compete. And well, Mizzou went there and went out, won the East a couple times earlier. And they were like, Georgia hadn't gotten its act together yet. Florida and Tennessee were kind of screwing around. And they were like, all right, we'll, we'll come in here and do this. And it was competitive. It's been competitive until the past, like you said, the past few years. Yeah. It, and that's what makes this interesting is just that, yeah, you know, Mizzou came in at, at kind of a high when Tennessee was at the low. And, and it feels like the paths have crossed back to, to Tennessee being up and Mizzou being down the last few years. And and now they're all of a sudden on very even footing just yep. in terms of what we look at with with the rankings and records and some of the personnel and stuff. So I think that's what will maybe give even this year a little bit more intensity is just that they're again at a crossroads of just, you know, which program is going to be on the up this year, which program is going to finish second in the East, probably, you know, have a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. Like there's a, there's a lot of just kind of reputation implications for this game. Um, and, and you mentioned the recruiting stuff there. You know, this game matters for recruiting stuff. It, it really does, because having a presence in some of those games down the stretch, I think, is, is probably a selling point. Yeah, because Tennessee tries to recruit that Missouri, uh, the St. Louis area in particular, pretty pretty hard and it went to into Kansas City or that area and got you know uh, Chandavi and Bradley last year and and the Tennessee recruits that state for sure I mean Tennessee kind of recruits coast to coast but it it definitely goes in there and there's been some really really nice players from St. Louis recently I'm not a recruiting guy I never have been I I don't pretend to be I just know broad broad strokes and and we have other guys who are the best at that stuff it's just not me and so um but I know that there has been some things about these staffs have irked each other in that way. And I think that combined with a couple of things Drinkwitz has said publicly when he thought he was having some fun at times, it's just been like, there's been a little, there's some, there's some vitriol in this thing 
um, that you wouldn't normally associate with these two programs against each other, but it's there. I'm not going to pretend that it's not because it is, and it's a, it's a big game and we'll see which way it goes before we let you go. Eli, please let everyone know how they can get a hold of your work, uh, of you, how they can see your stuff and also your address, your social security number, your ATM pin number, um, you know, your credit score, just please all that stuff too. Thanks. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the first actually leads to the latter. If you, uh, every every subscription you buy, you get one digit of my credit card number. There you go, so, perfect. Uh, that, perfect. You know, you, you buy a dozen and, and you get just about all of it. Or 16, I don't even know how many digits are on my credit card number. So that tells you, I think it's 16. How much you need to know there. I think it's 16, but I don't really know. I'm yeah. an idiot. My wife does yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a lucky guy there. Um, but, but so yeah, you can, you can find all of our stuff at stltoday.com is our website. Um, we are, we're writing, you know, at least once a day with Mizzou stuff, but now that we're in, in football, basketball, combo season, there's so much stuff happening that will keep you covered there. Um, I'm on, uh, the, the platform that was formerly known and forever known to me as Twitter. Yes. You can find me on there at by Eli Hoff. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the best way to keep up with what I'll be, uh, shouting off starting off during the game on saturday well awesome man thank you so much for being here and uh, we may even get you on again uh during basketball season you never really know it's uh, there's always a lot going on and uh, there's some good things happening with zoo there, there's been it's been some some tough times for that athletic department in recent years i think as we all know but you look at what's going on in football this season you look at what you know gates is doing just a bang up job with that basketball program and you know, wore Tennessee out last year a little bit. So, I mean, there, there, there's some there's some good things happening there right now over at Mizzou, and uh, so it's a good time uh, to have that beat. And uh, I know that we'll see when Oklahoma and Texas come into the league how much that changes everything. It maybe gives a little bit more geographic balance in some ways for, for Missouri, so it's not kind of an outpost like Lexington is. And uh, we'll we'll see how this thing goes, man. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun, and uh, we'll see you this weekend. But thanks for being here. For sure, for sure. Thanks for having me. It'll be a blast. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash go 24 seven. You can also go to facebook.com slash go 24 seven, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee, smoky mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time. 
answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.